Blog Talk Radio. It was just another story printed on the second page. Underneath the Tigers football score It said he was only 18 A boy about my age They found him face down on his bedroom floor There'll be services on Friday At the Lawrence Funeral Home then out on Mooresville Highway, they'll lay him beneath the stone. How do you get that lonely? How do you hurt that bad? To make you make the call that have no life at all. Did his girlfriend break up with him? Did he buy or steal that gun? Did he lose the fight with drugs or alcohol? Did his mom and daddy forget to say, I love you, son? No one see the writing on the wall I'm not blaming anybody We all do the best we can I know hindsight's 2020, But I still don't understand How do you get that lonely? That having no life at all Is better than the life that you had How do you feel so empty? You want to let it all go How do you get that long? It was just another story Printed on the second page Underneath the Tigers football scores
wow, that song really gets me in my heart. Um, welcome on everybody tonight to Reaching Out Radio International. I'm Evangelist Montel Fields, founder of Reaching Out Radio International. I'm truly blessed in that. And also your host tonight. And I'm trying to keep the tears from flowing right now. But uh, tonight's program is going to be on different emotions tonight. We're going to keep it real with you tonight. You're going to hear some things that you may find graphic. But I really want my brother in Christ, Corey, to keep it real tonight. Because his journey, even as I read it today, I wept. His journey is an amazing journey. And his journey became a ministry. And God is using him in an amazing way. And one of the things I think that is so beautiful is even though it took him 13 years to get the answer from God, when he got it and he knew that revelation became alive to him and he grabbed hold of it, he has understanding in it, and God is using him in an amazing way. I was looking at his group I'm going to have him share about later, his posts, his testimonies. You are going to be so blessed tonight, brothers and sisters, and he is so humble and so kind, and it's just been, it's a pleasure for me to get to meet such amazing men and women of God in what I do. I want to start us out with prayer tonight, and then I'm going to welcome him on, and we're just going to let go and let God, and we're truly believing together tonight that this is going to reach people, and there's going to be an impact on people's lives because Myself can relate. My cousin, um, earlier this year, on New Year's, took his life. I lost a good friend that I grew up with to suicide. I've had loved ones very dear to me attempt suicide. This is something that affects so many people in life. And I was sharing with you before we started the broadcast, there is an average. It says that there's more men that commit suicide. But on average, there are 123 suicides per day, brothers and sisters, and something I really want to encourage people in and to understand, it's not just middle-aged people or older people. We're talking about kids sometimes that are 9 years old, 10 years old, teenagers. It affects all walks of life and all different ages, and we're in a world right now that is so hard to live in, so that's why I really felt led to have you on tonight and for us to share, so I just, I'm excited, and I, I'm just, I consider an honor and privilege. So, Father God, I just humbly come before your throne of grace tonight, Father God. Lord, Father God, anoint Corey and I to go forth tonight, dear God. Be the voice that works through us, God, for without your anointing, Father God, we are nothing. Father God, I just thank you for this man's life, God. God, I thank you for sparing his life, God. I thank you that he has the courage to share his journey, that he can reach others, and that people can be saved, killed, delivered, and set free, God. Lord, bless him for being on tonight, God. Lord, use him to be a light that shines into the darkness, because so many are bound in addiction. So many have suicidal thoughts. So many are hurting and don't know where the answer is tonight, dear God. I pray they cry out to you, God. Lord, I pray for any plans of the enemies to be stopped in the name of Jesus. Guard the airways, dear God. Let this broadcast go forth and just let it go forth with anointing into all the world, God, because we're international, Lord God. I give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor, and I ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, welcome Amen. on, my dear brother. 
and I want you to introduce yourself and share a bit about yourself, and then, we'll, as I said earlier, we'll just let go and let God, and again, I thank you for your time tonight, and I know you're going to definitely be a blessing to so many of our listeners. Well, thank you very much for letting me come on. Uh, my name is Corey Burris. I'm from Southeast Texas. Uh, I'm I'm 43 years old, um, and my story starts out uh, when I was a kid. I found this out later, but I'll tell you. But anyway, uh, my dad only wanted one kid, and I have an older brother. So, and my mom was on birth control when she got pregnant with me. So the whole thing is like a God thing, you know. Anyway, um, when I was Everything was cool when I was real little, you know. I didn't don't really remember any kind of harsh punishments or anything. But later on in life, starting probably around ten, you know, I mean, it was a common factor that my dad was pretty mean to me, and uh, he started trying to buy me clothes that were like Walmart clothes. And back in the day, you know, the Walmart clothes weren't very good. But uh, my brother would get all the stuff from the mall and. You know, this, that, and the other, name brand, everything. And my mom, like, I remember them getting a big fight about it. And, like, you know, kind of wondering why, you know. Anyway, it just, you know, it kind of, it progressed from there, you know. He just, I would get in trouble for little things and getting punished for, you know, long periods of time and and uh, to my room and everything else. And then it progressed, and, and he started, uh, he never beat me or anything. It was more uh, like corporal punishment type stuff, you know. He would make me kneel on uncooked rice and and uh, sit there up against the wall like I was sitting in a chair, but there wouldn't be a chair there and just make my legs burn and burn. And uh, one of his favorite things to do was uh, he would put a pencil mark on the wall about three inches above my nose when I was just standing there. And he would make me put my my nose on that mark, and he would sit behind me with a belt. And uh, when I would go below the mark, he would hit me with the belt, and until I, you know, confessed to whatever, or told him what he needed to know, or whatever, whatever the case may be. And uh, one time he made me take a bath in a fifty-five gallon drum in the backyard. I mean, just you know, stuff like that, you know. And uh, and it, you know, I just I kind of thought it was normal, you know. I didn't know anything, you know, I was a little kid, you know, anyway, I tried to brush it off best I could and just go about my life, you know, and it was just, it was just bad, I just, I didn't like being around him that much, you know, and I just tried to avoid him as much as I could, and then, uh, it all continued through my teenage years and stuff, and when I was 16 years old, uh, it was a Friday night. We, me and my two friends were fixing to go to a party, and uh, we're like, we got out of school. And we're like, hey, we're gonna go home, take a shower. We'll meet back up, you know, whatever. When my one of my friends called me, he said, hey, we're not going to this party. And I'm like, why not? You know, everybody's going. He's like, well, and I'm not gonna say his name, but uh, he said our friend killed himself. He said he said, well, he said he shot himself. And I'm like, was he okay? He shot himself in the foot. You know what? Because we always went hunting. We live out in the country and stuff. And he's like, no, he shot him. He blew his head off. He's, he's dead. And I'm like, oh, I just, I freaked out. Uh, immediately, 
went to his house, and uh, it was just utter chaos over there, cops and ambulances. And matter of fact, the, uh, my buddy that told me about it, his stepdad was the ambulance driver, so it was it was pretty touching for a lot of people that were there. But the cops told me I couldn't go inside of the house, and uh, they had already taken him out of there. But, uh, I insisted that I was going in, and I went in the house. Uh, I probably shouldn't have. I've seen things that probably will never get out of my head. Uh, you know, but I wanted to, you know, be there for his parents the best I could or do whatever I could, you know, and man, it just it totally ripped my heart out. And uh, we went back to school that Monday, and uh, I was just, I was over it, man. I was, I wasn't going to school. I, I walked out of school, didn't tell anybody anything. I just left, and uh, there was probably about 200 people left with me. You know, I, they didn't go to the same place I went, but they just, they just left. And uh, it was just, you know, the whole school was just devastated. Well, I shook it off the best I could, you know, and, you know, had to go on with life, you know. And I did good, and I, I said that uh, I would never do anything like that because I've seen the outcome, you know. And uh, when I went to his funeral, the, the funeral procession was, like, over five miles long, you know, and... uh it just, you know, that was not anything I would ever do. Well, that was January 8th of 1993. Uh, the whole year, you know, I I battled depression because of this and this, that, and other. And uh, around Christmas time, me and my couple of buddies were out just joking around, playing pranks, or taking Christmas lights and those wire reindeer from people's yards and. We made a herd of reindeer at the convenience store that was closed. So, I mean, it was just a joke. Well, anyway, the cops pulled us over, and as we were stealing Christmas lights, and, of course, we said no. Well, I went to get my insurance papers out of my glove box, and Christmas lights come flooding out of there. So uh, we were in trouble. But uh, we didn't go to jail now. He told us to go home. Anyway, we went home. We got in trouble with our parents, and I was like, man, that ain't no good. Well, New Year's came around. I lied to my parents about where I was going to be because uh, we wanted to go drinking. Well, they found out that I wasn't where I was supposed to be, and uh, they called the cops and told them that they, if they found me, to arrest me because I was drunk somewhere. Anyway, my truck got stuck that night. It was a whole big ordeal that night. I mean, nothing happened, but I did get drunk, <laughs> and uh, it was not a good night. I, uh, my truck got stuck in the mud. The next day I come home, and it was freezing cold. Part of my punishment was I had to wash the truck in the cold. I had to wash the underneath side of the truck, everything. He told me I had to be able to eat off the bottom of the truck. So I'm laying under that truck. You know, it's January 1st, freezing my butt off just, you know, for a long time because I've been washing the truck. Anyway, I'm laying under there freezing. I'm like, you know what? I said, I'm just gonna wait six more days. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna kill myself. I'm gonna shoot myself. I'm just, be, I'm gonna be done with it. You know, I was 17 years old and uh, I was at the end of my rope, or so I thought. And uh, so I, after I finished washing the truck, I went in the house and I grabbed a, a 12 gauge shell and I sat it by my TV on the dresser. And uh. I was grounded to my room, so I sat in here for six days, 
and uh, watching TV with a shotgun shell right beside it. I was sitting there staring at it the whole time, just waiting. I never had a second thought about it, you know. And when the uh, January 8th came, I was, my mom was here and everybody else was gone. But uh, she just recently told me that I told her to go outside with the dog. I was watching a movie on the couch. She went outside, and she told me that she was outside for seven minutes. Well, when she went outside, I said, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it now. So I went and grabbed the shotgun and went to the bathroom. And the way our bathroom is, there's a door, and you can lock it, and there's the you know laboratory and stuff in the closet. And then the other door, you can lock it, and there's a bathtub and a toilet. Well, I locked both doors, and I loaded the gun, and I put the gun on the ground and sat on the toilet and put it underneath my chin. And I said, okay. I said, on the count of three, it's all going to be over. And I didn't hesitate. I didn't think twice about it. I don't even know if I got to three. You know, I said one, two, and I pulled the trigger. Uh, I don't remember anything for two weeks, but they said that uh, I got up from where I was sitting on the toilet. I unlocked both doors and walked back in the living room and sat back on the couch and was watching TV. Uh... My mom came in the house to destruction of her son. Um, she's an RN, so thank God she was able to keep her composure long enough to call 911. But it was busy like five or six times. She had to keep calling back while I was sitting there bleeding out uh, with half my face gone. Um, when the cops got here, they and the ambulance and all that, and they did what they had to do and. They life flighted me to Beaumont, Texas, and uh, which is 30 miles away. And uh, I've talked to nurses that actually worked on me that day, and they said I was unrecognizable, that my face was about the size of a basketball. And uh, the doctors and surgeons there said that they don't have the ability or or the things that they need to be able to fix me. So they put me back in a helicopter and flew me to Galveston, Texas, uh, where I stayed for several months um after two weeks when I first started remembering I uh the first thought I had was I was a utter failure I mean who can't kill themselves I mean with a shotgun more or less you know I mean that's that should have been 100% fatal anyway I uh you know I couldn't talk so I was just writing notes you know and you know, I didn't tell anybody I thought I was a failure. I just kept that to myself. But I looked in the bathroom, and I had my parents had taped uh, on the mirror. They taped all those brown paper towels that are in like hospitals and stuff all over the mirror. So I wrote to my mom, I was like, "Why y'all have paper over the mirror?" She was like, "Well, we don't want you to see what you did." And I wasn't I wasn't supposed to even get out of bed. So I made my way into the bathroom, and I ripped those papers down. And I was just in shock. I uh, my head was still almost the size of a basketball. My eye, my right eye was almost swollen shut. It just started opening. My left eye was no more. Um, with my mouth closed, I could see my molars on the right side of my face through my left cheek or where my cheek used to be. Uh. It was shocking, you know, and 
I was just, my thoughts were just like, you know, what are you going to do now? You know, <laughs> look what you've done. You know, but uh, I had a lot of time to talk to God because, I mean, I was a Christian and I'd been saved. You know, I was saved at 12, but I didn't really understand everything. I just understood that he he could only love me and he would always forgive me. And that's what I held on to, you know, and that's all. I, that's really all I knew about him. Well, I got to know him pretty good in the hospital and talking to him and praying and, you know, and I told him, I said, look, I said, I don't know why you saved me, but uh, I know there's a reason. Anyway, I said, I'm not going to quit asking you until you tell me. So uh, I started asking, you know, why'd you save me? You know, every day I would wake up. You know, or throughout the day, you know, you know, why why'd you save me? What do you what do you want? And uh which I never got an answer. Anyway, I, I I got out of the hospital and I uh well, let me back up. I was having surgeries and everything, a lot of them. To date I've had fifty four surgeries. Um so I was going through surgeries and I was fixing to have a big surgery that was gonna like uh it was gonna, they were pulling they were trying to close up the gap in my face, all kind of stuff. Anyway, it was a 25-and-a-half-hour surgery. I've had a few of those. But um, when I came out of the surgery, my lung collapsed, and uh, I was I was about to die. They had they didn't have a uh, operating room open uh, or clean, rather. The one I just came out of, they had they couldn't even put me back in the same room because. It was dirty, but even as my own blood, they couldn't put me back in there. So they had to clean it. Well, the whole time, you know, they had a nurse sitting there by my bed telling me to breathe, to stay awake, because if I went to sleep, I would die. And I kept writing on the notes, I just want to go to sleep, I'm tired. She's like, you can't, you're going to die if you go to sleep. And I fought, and I fought, and I stayed awake, and I fought. And looking back on it, you know, it's crazy because... Two weeks prior to that, I was doing everything in my power to kill myself. And two weeks, you know, after that, I'm doing everything in my power to live. So, I mean, that right there it tells me that it's the spirit of suicide. You know, that's not, that was not my my own thoughts, you know. And uh, anyway, I made it through that. And uh, I came home and uh, ended up going back to school. And mind you, I had, I was all mangled up. I had... Uh, a bar across my face and all kind of stuff, holding my jaw together because I didn't have a jaw at the time. It was just a piece of metal. Um, you know, and I had a big tube coming out of my stomach that that's how I got fed. I couldn't eat through my mouth or anything. Um, people would snicker and, you know, and point and, you know, whatever, but I didn't pay on no mind. I mean, who are they, you know? Um, I just, you know, walked around with my, my head up, my chest out like nothing ever happened. And, um, you know, I continued to school, you know, and I, I, I graduated. I uh, I actually found a girlfriend in high school. I never thought that would ever happen again. Uh, and I was pretty depressing. <laughs> but, uh, but I found a girlfriend, and it really taught me that, you know, not everybody looks at the outside. You know, there's actually people that, that look at your heart, you know. And we stayed together for a long time, I mean, off and on for 10 years, you know. Anyway, later on in life, I, uh, I mean, we split up and it didn't end up working out, but uh, we're still friends today. But 
anyway, uh, I went to college and was there for a few years or whatever. And I didn't graduate, but uh, I met this girl that I married. You know, and I was doing drugs by this time, you know, smoking weed and doing whatever came around. And uh, I met her, and, you know, she was doing with me. We were doing, you know, about everything, you know, cocaine and weed and drinking and this, that, and the other, and just acting a fool, you know. And, uh, which, you know, I was still talking to God every once in a while and praying, you know. I always, you know, I never lost that. But uh, I wasn't living for him, you know. I was just I was living for me, just wanting him to make my life better, which wasn't the case. But anyway, we decided to get married and uh, have a kid and all that. So we quit doing the drugs for a little while. And, uh, well, she quit the whole time she was pregnant. I started smoking weed again and progressed to other things, you know, pills and everything else and coke and meth and uh it was just a vicious cycle, you know. It was, I mean, I could keep a job if I could get a job, but uh, with discrimination, it was really tough, you know, and, and the jobs I could get didn't really pay anything, so. But uh, we struggled and struggled, which, you know, drugs involved, you're going to struggle. But, uh, and then 2005 came around. I actually had a pretty decent job in a plant, you know, and, uh, a big hurricane came and wiped out just about the whole town, and which we were all right. And I went back to work, and they gave me a big raise, like a $4 an hour raise. I'm like, what? Well, I, I couldn't handle the money. I started We started doing cocaine again, and just it got pretty bad. But uh, I was working nights. I wasn't on drugs that night, but they were in my system. You know, it stays in there a while. On the way home from work, um, I was going 80 miles an hour trying to pass this 18-wheeler in a construction zone. And uh, he clipped my back bumper and threw me into the wall. And uh, the airbag knocked me out at 80 miles an hour. My truck veered in front of his truck, T-boned uh, the white concrete barrier, and I started flipping. Luckily, he went around me, like swerved around me. My truck flipped five times and caught on fire. And... uh I crawled out of the truck and started picking up all the chains I had in the back of my truck. And the cops ran over there, are you okay? You know, you know, your truck's on fire. Are you all right? And this, that, and that. I'm like, man, I'm fine. I got a busted nose. I'm good. And they're like, you want to go to the hospital? And my first thought was, if you go to the hospital, you're going to jail because you have drugs in your system. Uh, and prior to that wreck, I had gotten in trouble twice with drinking and got two DWIs. So I was not fixing to go to the hospital and get a DUI and have a third one on my record and go to prison. That was not going to happen. That was my thought process. Anyway, I go home, and uh, my wife's like, man, you're not talking right. You know, you, I said, well, I got hit in the head. I got knocked out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'll be all right. You know, and I went back to work the next day. Uh, I worked about half a day, and... Man, my stomach was just cramping really, really bad. So I went home, and it didn't stop cramping for like, I don't know, it was over a week. Anyway, uh, couldn't figure out what it was. Um, about a week and a half after I got in the wreck, I, uh, I had a violent seizure that uh, I broke both my shoulders at the same time. And uh, 
and I woke up and some guy was running down my sidewalk, carrying me like a baby. I didn't even know who it was, and I didn't know what was going on. Well, um, I got home from the hospital after all that, and uh, everything hit me. You know, like I can't work now. You know, uh, I don't have a car. You know, I have a family. I have a kid. I have bills. I have a house. You know, what am, what am I going to do? You know, my wife doesn't work. You know, she's not able to work. Uh, you know, how was I going to survive? How was I going to support my family? How was I going to make it another day, you know? Um, that's whenever I ask God again, you know, why would you save me? You know, it's, this to this day, it's been 13 years since I shot myself. And uh, I'd asked him every day in that that time frame, you know, why he saved me. Well, I really wasn't expecting an answer like always, but I was I wasn't mad at God, but I was I was frustrated. You know, I didn't know what to do. Um, so I, I had a few choice words and said, God, what the blank do you want? And uh, I got an answer, and it scared me, you know, at first, and I was like. It was it was a loud voice, but it wasn't like he was yelling, but it was just, it was with great authority. You knew who it was, without question. And uh, he said, I want you to help people with suicides. And I'm like, <laughs> I laughed at him. I said, huh, nope, not going to do it. That's not me. I ain't talking to people. I said, mm-mm. I said, you better find somebody else for that. And then uh, I thought about it. You know, for about 10 minutes, and it was like, man. I was like, well, look. I said, if you really want me to do that, give me some confirmation. Give me a sign, something. Well, I shouldn't have said that because it was just like a concert going off in my head. Help people, help people. you got to help people, help people. And it was, I couldn't even have my own thought. So I finally, you know, I was like, okay, okay, I'll do it. You know, I, I will do it. Well, in that moment, it was like a light switch went off, man. It was. I understood so much about my life and why I went through so many things in my life all the way down to conception, you know, and God allowing my mother to get pregnant even though she was on birth control and everything else, you know, for me to go down the road I had to go through to be able to come to where I am now to be able to help people, you know, the way I can, you know, with the way God can through me, you know, and anyway, so I told him I would do it and I started, you know, I jumped in feet first, you know. I, I started being a, a suicide crisis operator, uh, taking hotline calls, and that was that was strenuous, you know. I I don't think I was ready for that <laughs> because it, it started to overwhelm me a little bit. But you know, what God puts in your path, he you know, He always makes sure you're uh, able to do it. Um, so I just prayed about it, you know, and, and the comfort came and the peace came and, and all that. And, and I did that for like three years. And uh, I didn't just do it every once in a while. I did it like four or five days a week, and nobody else did it that as much as I did it. And, um, you know, I did that for a while. And I, I got back into church, and I was going to church six days a week. I became a deacon in the church. And uh, I was getting... My shoulders operated on, you know, I'd get one fix, and I'd 
it would be healing. They fix the other one. It would break. I get that one fixed. It'd break. Uh, my right shoulder's been broke twice and operated on twice. My left shoulder is broke now again, and it's, uh, I'm awaiting a fifth operation on my left one. Uh, my left one is 75% titanium. So during all this time, there's a six-year span where I couldn't work. I was either I had a broke shoulder or I was going through uh, rehab for my shoulder. And uh, I never had to ask anybody for anything. My bills were always paid. I mean, I don't know where it came from. Well, I do know where it came from. But, you know, it was only God. And, uh, I mean, any, I, I didn't have anything, but I didn't like for nothing. You know, for six years, how does that happen? You know, that's strictly God. You know, and that time period, he was building my faith and showing me that he was going to take care of me and showing me that that no matter what, if I followed him and prayed, that it would be taken care of. So today, my faith cannot be shaken. <laughs> I'll tell you that. But um, around 2011, you know, I, I hadn't worked in a long time. and It was a period where one of my shoulders were broke, but it was... I could still do some stuff. And my father-in-law opened a business. He said, you got to go back to work. We're going to do this, you know. And he started a bounce house business, which I ran the whole company from top to bottom. He didn't mess with it, really. Well, it pulled me out of church, you know. I was going to church six days a week. Well, now I'm working seven days a week. And uh, I thought it was a blessing, but it was an utter curse. I uh, I got back on the drugs, and uh, I got back on heavy i got back on meth uh smoked crack for a little while um because uh i actually took a second job trying to help my my buddy as a plumber and he was smoking crack and so i was smoking him at work and i was doing meth and it was like it was just it got worse and worse and worse so i left him alone after about six months and uh because that was just too much for me right Anyway, I was doing the balance houses, doing mess, and, and then uh, they sold the business because they got divorced. And uh, I went with the business to the new guy, and uh, we kind of bumped heads, and I ended up quitting after about another year with him. And then I got really bad on mess, and I uh, started shooting it up and started actually selling it and cooking it in my shed. Um, uh, let me back up. In 2011... We had another kid, and uh, he was a baby and everything. And, but uh, we got back on meth, and he was about a year old. Anyway, so we had two kids now. I'm cooking dope in the shed and selling dope, and it's just craziness. It's just beyond crazy. You know, I did things that I said I would never do. I was out there. I was about to rob stores. I was. I mean, it didn't matter, you know. If, if I wanted it, I was getting it, you know. I was kicked door in drug dealers' houses, uh, stealing their drugs. I mean, what are they going to do, call the cops on me? You know, whatever. Good luck to you. So, you know, that was kind of my thought process because I ain't worried about them coming after me because I'm crazier than they are. But anyway, um, that continued, and, you know, CPS get, kept getting called. and They probably got called six times through all that. I would drink bleach and orange juice to clean myself out 
to beat the system to be able to keep my kids and uh me and my wife both did and uh and we thought we were winning you know because we beat the system well they came back that last time and uh we wouldn't answer the door because we were pretty bad off and uh they kept knocking it's like well if we answer the door that's our own fault you know well they left the note saying we're coming back tuesday with the cops and this was like wednesday of the previous week so i was like man we gotta quit now so i quit well my wife couldn't quit anyway um they came back and uh they did the swab test for me and my wife and uh actually mine came back positive and hers came back negative well i was highly upset so i demanded a urinalysis right then and there well, they said, we can't do that. I said, well, you're about to do that because I'm not taking that. You know, I'm not on my own mess anymore. So the next day we went and took a UA and I passed and she failed. And they told me that uh, they were at the house and they told me if I didn't take the kids out of there and leave that they were going to take my kids from me. So uh, I packed up my stuff and the kids stuff and we left. Uh, my wife could not get straight. Um, she battled and battled. Um, we were apart for a year and a half, and she went to prison. And she was, she got out, and uh, we got back together. Well, maybe back up. She was getting out of prison. Okay, and I had been clean. I had been clean about eight months. Well, I. Uh, I thought, well, I thought I was clean. I was off of dope. I was drinking a fifth a day. So, I and I was riding a bicycle around because I lost everything, my house, cars, everything. So, I'm sitting there, and I just started drinking, and uh, on a bicycle, and God starts speaking to me again. And I'm like, no, not now. He's like, yeah, now. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, now. I'm like, what? You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm riding a bike down the side of the road. Anyway, he's like, I want you to prepare for battle. He said, the world as we know it's not going to be the same anymore. Um, I don't know what he meant by that. I don't know if he meant I'm be battling people with suicidal tendencies. I don't know if he meant all the stuff that's going on now. You know, this is in 2015. You know, and today you, we can look at our world and say it's never going to be the same again. But I still don't know what, you know, not for a fact what he's talking about. But I'm preparing myself now. But I wasn't then. I was kind of, you know, arrogant, saying, oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I didn't prepare myself at all. So I continued to drink for another eight months. And uh, I had a little job as a, as a mechanic at a car lot. And uh, me and the owner didn't see eye to eye because he, he ripped everybody off trying to be a Christian man. So I called him out on it one day and... Uh, he said some stuff to me. I said, well, I quit. I'm done. So I started going out the door, and he said, well, yeah, you can't even shoot yourself right. Who can't do that? And I stopped in my tracks. And I turned around, and I walked back in there, and I cleared his desk off computer and everything. And I told him, you need to come outside with me right now. Anyway, I was fixing to put a whooping on him. So he grabs a closet rod that's about three foot long, and I said, well, you can bring that with you because you're going to need it. So anyway, uh... 
I ended up leaving because, upon better judgment, <laughs> I didn't figure I needed to stay around very long. Um, I left. I went and got a bottle of whiskey, and uh, then this girl offered me some pills. I took them, some Xanax, and uh, then that I got pretty stupid. And then I went to my girlfriend's house in Louisiana with my little five-year-old kid. And this girl says, hey, come over, you know. So I left my son with her, went to Texas, which is only five miles, you know, it's not far. Anyway, she gives me free $100 worth of dope. So I'm like, man, all right. So I, you know, without question, I grabbed it. Uh, I went back to my girlfriend's house, shot the whole $100 at one time. I went outside and was arrested five minutes later because I had... Apparently, I was—I didn't know much about the area. I was, apparently, it was a bad part of town. I was outside at 2 o'clock in the morning texting somebody. They walked up behind me, and I had drugs on me, so I was, I was going to jail. Um, I stayed in jail 60 days, and when I went in there, I was so angry at myself. I messed up again, you know. Uh, I was looking at felonies. I was looking at five years in prison, and... Uh, my son was at some strange girl's house in Louisiana that I just met a few months ago, and uh, I didn't know what was going on. Uh, they gave me the nickname C4 in there because I blew up on anything and everybody. Um, about three days in, this guy came in, and uh, I I got mad at somebody and was irate. And anyway, he held a Bible out the bars, and I could barely see it. He's like, "You want this?" And I said. Yes, I do, please. And he slid it to me under the, under the bars, you know. And man, I just started reading it, man. I just I got into it, and I started preparing myself. And I was reading, studying the words 16 hours a day for about 60 days while I was in there. And, uh, you know, it just, I was at peace. I, was, I wasn't happy I was in there, but I had the joy of the Lord on me. And, uh, you know, I, I knew what I needed to do when I got out. I knew I had to, to stay on course and focus on God and and uh and do what I really had to do. Anyway, I got out and uh my wife had just got out and uh she's the one that she got me out because she I told her to sell the truck I just bought and get me out. So she got me out <clears throat> and we got back together and everything was good for uh about a year and uh the drugs didn't start again, but you know the the fight and the arguing. The you know she was pretty she was abusive towards me and physically and all kind of things like that. And uh, so it just continued. But I started. She was going to NA, and I, uh, a lady told me to start a group. I'm like, ah, I'm not really on Facebook. I don't I don't want to start a group. And she's like, Yeah, you need to start a group. Cause I told my story in there. And, uh, they were freaking out. I'm like, well, all right, I'll start a group. So I started a group, and it's called Suicide Prevention and God's Helpers. Um, the second day, I had 1,800 members. Uh, I didn't know where it came from. I didn't know. I mean, it just it was like crazy. And uh, you know, it was just ordained by God. You know, and it just. I just, man, I just started going to work, you know, and helping people and just showing them what God has done in my life and showing them 
how to get close to God and and how to not worry about things in this life and and you know things to trip you up you know don't take the bait of Satan more or less um you know i try I continue doing that with me with being with my wife for another couple of years, being bad and everything else and uh it got to a point where she made me somebody I didn't want to be anymore, and uh just the whole situation made me somebody I didn't want to be anymore, so I left you know I took the kids and left, and uh I left last September at the end of September. And that was the best thing I ever did, really. It's, uh, I really feel like being in a toxic relationship I was in was hindering me from reaching where I needed to be in, in God, you know, and uh, and just, you know, better in my life, you know. Um, uh, to this day, you know, I went back to college. Well, went back up. While we were still together, I went back to college, to Bible school, and became a licensed minister, you know, to um, to better be able to help people, you know, to better, you know, know my father. So, um, you know, uh, I'm now I'm living with my mom, which we used to fight like cats and dogs. But I've been here almost a year, and we haven't had one fight. You know, God has restored my family. God has restored my heart. God has restored everything I've ever lost. I mean, it's just amazing. You know, and it's it's just it's surreal to uh, to have been in addiction for over 25 years and and lived in utter hell for over 30 something years to just you know be at peace and just I don't know feel the joy that I feel every day. You know, um, yeah, that's where I'm at now. You know, and I just my I'm in. Uh, several different ministries that help people with suicide and addictions and uh, I help run an addiction class here in our local town because there's our NA closed there's nothing here we don't even have a hospital here so there's nothing here to do but drugs you know so um, you know our town really needs a lot of help as well as every town in America and the world you know and uh, my group is uh I have an amazing group of admins, you know. I, I I can trust them with anybody, anything. I don't have to second guess anything. It's just they're always there, you know. Their their hearts in it, you know. And most of my uh, admins were suicidal at one time, you know. That I, I've actually had to talk to them and and help them out, you know. And and it just with a little application of the word, and it can all be turned around, you know. And that's what we're out here trying to do is show people the light and show people that there's another way and there's another life and it's a beautiful journey, you know. And uh and I'm always available if anybody wants to message me and you know, day or night, it doesn't matter. You know, I always answer all my messages, I always get back to everything. I uh you know, I can't leave anybody hanging, you know. But and that's where I'm at in my life. But uh what I do wanna say though, um a couple of things is uh, you can't let offense bother you. You you gotta quit getting offended about things. Um, that's one of the mighty tools of Satan, and it's a little bitty thing that we don't ever pay attention to. But uh, with offense, become you know we get everything else included: anger, resentment, bitterness. I mean, you name it. Uh, we do things. 
out of offense, you know, at, in retaliation, you know, and then we have shame and, I mean, just regret, and it's just the whole ball of wax, you know, that's, that's bad. It comes right from offenses, you know, and, and forgiveness is the other key, man. you got to forgive yourself most of all, and you got to forgive everybody else because it doesn't matter what people have done to you. It doesn't because whatever they do to you is not going to matter in your uh, walk to get and getting to heaven. You know, and uh, because hurting people hurt people. You know, if somebody's hurting you, there's something going on in their life that they're being hurt by. You know, there's a core problem, and uh, you got to see past just people's actions, and you got to look at people's hearts. You got to examine uh, more than just what you see on the outside. You know, and and if you do that and, and you start getting deep with with yourself and other people, then you know, your life really changes and your perspective really changes and you're able to go forth in and, and beauty and love and, and compassion and actually actually enjoy life, you know. And um, I'm at that point right now where, you know, I'm the happiest I've ever been. I'm in the greatest place I've ever been. And, <clears throat> and it's crazy because I'm a pizza delivery guy. <laughs> but, hey, it works, you know. Um, but yeah, but uh, I just want to say again that if you're going through problems, man, reach out to somebody, anybody, me, you know, uh, a preacher, anybody, a crisis line, anybody you can get a hold to, a friend, you know, it doesn't matter. There's people out there all over that want to help somebody. The only thing is, we can't help you if we don't know you need help. So uh, I just want to thank you for letting me come on and talk for a minute and. And tell a little bit about my story and and where I'm at now and and uh and that God loves y'all man God's out there and he's alive and he's he's thriving he's winning and uh if you can't see it now, you're gonna see it just wait you'll see it I just thank y'all again very much. I can barely hear you. Hold on. Can you hear me better now? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. My, it might be my connection. But I know there's so many people out there that can relate to things you've been through in your journey from possibly mental abuse, physical abuse. So many people a lot of times don't have no one to turn to that go through those types of of abuse. And Absolutely. Easy. I didn't. Yeah, and it's I so didn't. easy to to cast stones and to judge and to write people off. Oh, they're a worthless drug addict or it's just mm-hmm. an experience. But until you truly have felt their pain or mm-hmm. know what they're going through, people battle depression and many people don't understand that's, that's something that goes on in the brain that you truly have to, you have to seek help in that and have an understanding and people go through things we all go through things in life but it's like you said it's important to search a person's heart offer love to them reach out to them because you may not realize this i have a friend that got put in my life she's been in my life now for 15 years and she'll sit and testify um and she'll tell people i put montel through so many things i lied on her i betrayed her She's seen me mess up over and over and over. 
But she said, you know, the one thing she never did was quit believing in me and quit loving me. She said she showed me right. the love of Christ right there right. again. See, that's what you're doing in life. And even though people people can be cruel because of what you went through, I mean, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine as a mother, your mom, when she seen you at first. I mean, that had to be, thank God she was a nurse because they yeah. did get taught how to maintain things. But to see your own child that way, I know Absolutely. what I said as a mother, that my child get hurt. And then when I sit and think of the first time you've seen yourself, like, I was like, I was, I've, I've had to maintain myself because your journey, it's got so much pain in it, but at the same time, there's healing. And one of the scriptures that really stand out to me, even as you're speaking, is in Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. And it is, it is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because his compassion fell not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And praise God because he showed you over and over his faithfulness. He's never given up on you. It's us that gives up on him and we lose our way. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things I want our listeners to really hold on to tonight. As they're listening or people on demand, your journey started way back when you was a child. And God even had a plan for you back then. You wasn't even planned. And what's mm-hmm. so amazing about that, my husband and I are in the middle of an adoption right now. His mother was on birth control. He was not. She could not believe. She was in the hospital and, and uh, had a blood clot in her lung. And then they come and said, hey, surprise, guess what? A single mom with two little girls. He was not planned. But I had been praying for God to place a child that someone did not want into our life. And that's exactly how long I had been praying was 13 years, and I never gave up. <laughs> and now. That's awesome. Yeah, and now I have this sweet little boy named Noah. God revealed to me before, even the gender reveal, before ultrasounds, that I was going to have a son, and I was to name him Noah. So I started stepping out in faith, buying baby boy stuff, and was getting all this, like what you was talking about. Through my yeah. faith, God was providing blessing after blessing. People were like, you're crazy. What if it's not a boy? And I, I <laughs> online to what God showed me, what God told me. So that way, whenever... It was revealed. I could go back and show people. Look, God really talks to His children. We just got to learn. Absolutely. Boys, and we got to. We got we got to learn to get out of ourselves long enough to listen to it. Brother, and and see that's the thing that stood out to me with you when you were talking too. Even though you fell from time to time, and drugs is a hard hard battle. I have a brother-in-law that's in prison right now. Because he battled with addiction off and on his whole entire life. He's been in and out of prison his whole life. My nieces have barely got to know their dad. And you know, it's yeah. not just that person that it impacts, but it's like what you were saying. It's the children in mm-hmm. your life that impacts. Because I've seen what it's done to my nieces, and I've seen what it's done to him. And he's really been finding God in prison. But the important thing is when you come out is what you did. you got to... You got to keep that a walk daily. You can't just make it like making a pocket God, like when you're in situations and then tuck him away. Yeah, a, a pocket God. We call him a spare tire God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, see, that's what a lot of people do. But the one thing through your testimony and your journey is you've always known his love. You loved him and you knew that he was, you loved him and you knew that he was there. 
but you were just closing yeah. walk in the flesh. But he still kept reminding you, hey, I'm here. You know, there's a, there's a reason. I mean, that's the accident with 18-wheeler. And being in CNA work and working in nursing homes, those mm-hmm. types of things you're talking about, um, people can't really understand unless they truly see those things. But those are those seizures, when you witness those in person, you really got to know what you're doing and compose yourself because they, people really do get hurt in that. And to break your mm-hmm. bones your like that, that is, uh, that's pretty powerful seizures. And had yeah. you had before, like, um, before the accident with the truck or back to whenever your attempt? No, I, I'd, never had a, I'd never had a seizure before the truck accident. And I actually still have them. I mean, um, not so often anymore, but, uh, uh, the last one was probably about three years ago or so, but, uh, yeah, but I don't take anything for it, but God's going to heal all that. He's going to take all that from me because, yeah, Yeah. but one scripture, one scripture that stands out to me about this whole thing that I went through is, uh, Genesis fifty twenty. You intended me to you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me through to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Wow, that's possible, brother. That sounds like your life scripture right there because that's, that's what it. God intended you for. And you know, so many times we God when God called me to radio I had a choice to say yes or no. I never went to school for it. I wasn't trained for it, but God equipped me. He anointed me. He taught me. And now it's That's international. It. God, we have to have a willingness. He, he don't Praise force God. You. You, He's a gentleman. So many people mm-hmm. don't understand. They want to get mad at God about everything going on in the world, about every situation. But in reality of things, in all honesty, the truth of the matter is God is a free will. If God is mm-hmm. a free will, We'd be like his puppets. Like if he had all control over us our whole entire life, it would be like we were we were puppets and he was a puppet master. Yeah, and or we'd be some robots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And God had God had a plan for us in um, regard to what he was gonna do back in the garden. He had a perfect plan for us, and Adam that that stopped with. Uh, that stopped with Adam and Eve, you know. She she made that choice, and it just uh, it changed everything. It changed God's plan, and it. So many people want to blame God. The counter's going off, but we still have time on there, so if you could ask. But the fall of man started back then, and it was the flesh. You know, God has had a perfect plan for us. And he made our way better when he sent Jesus to die for us. We need to quit blaming everything that happens on God. That's Absolutely, because it wasn't his fault. It was Satan's fault. Exactly. Thank you, brother. And that's what, <laughs> that's what we're seeing. So many is like, well, well, the devil made me do it or this made me do it. But at the end of the day, in all reality of things, every action has a reaction. We have free will and we have a choice. And yeah. we have a choice in situations when someone, like, I get so many from people around the world, and I have a choice. Do I answer that message and pray with them, 
or do I reject them because of the, where they are? Do I reject right. somebody because of what they look like or because they're bound in addiction? As a child of God, I'm called to love people. I'm called mm-hmm. to, to be a light into this world. So it comes down to a choice, and we have to remember that. Praise God. We have to remember that we're light, and you got to love people like Jesus, not condemn right. people. And Absolutely. Not- we have two things we got to do love God with all our heart and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Brother, that's and that's it. where many people are failing and they're they're not being light. And then so many people get these self righteous attitudes, like they get the better than thou attitude and they get caught up in their name being a light or they're doing it for the wrong thing. True ministry. Yes side of the church. True ministry means sacrificing your life 100%, not caring about what people think of you, not caring about who sees you, but mm-hmm. you have to offer the one, and that's how God sees you and what you're doing in life. That's it. There's a lot of self-promotion out there. <laughs> people wanting to do it for themselves and, and trying to, yeah, I see a lot of that in uh There's on, a lot of in, that uh, yeah, and, and people are trying to help people. There's a lot of that, but yeah, I just I just why I'm trying to stay humble, and I'm never gonna forget where I was. You know, I was at the bottom. You know. Well, I just I'm so amazed. Like, there's so many different questions and things I can ask you. I mean, you did such a great job sharing, but I mean, coming from that that was God with you. I mean, in all honesty, I've worked in the medical field my whole entire life. I've seen some pretty uh, crazy, but yeah. like you said, shotgun and at the angle and everything, you shouldn't have been here. That was definitely uh, God. And then, oh, absolutely. Then the semi truck, the accident with the semi truck, flipping over and over. You had your angels with you. I want to start to weep because I saw the witness of this. Oh, I should have died more, a lot more times than that. I was, I've totaled out. Two or three vehicles, and that was the worst that ever happened. There was a bus in those. And that's yeah. why you see God's plan and hand on your life, brother. And you know, <laughs> we don't understand why we go through things that we go through. When mm-hmm. my mom was battling with cancer, I lost her in 2017. She was the most kind, God-fearing, on-fire woman of God that you'd ever want to meet. She loved people. She gave her. She would give her shirt off her back. And Absolutely. you don't love to suffer that much. You know, you're human. It is hard to understand. But that's when we got to put our faith in God and know he's a higher power and all things work together for his glory. And mm-hmm. I know my mom is in glory and she's in my future. But I miss her daily. But I have a choice. Do I get mad and hold a grudge against God? Do I try to put the blame on God? No. Because right. this isn't from him. This world is flesh. This world is sin. What we see going on is the enemy. The enemy, that's what it is. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And mm-hmm. one day, though, when we receive Jesus as our Savior, one day, we're no longer going to be sick. We're no longer going to have pain. Death will be no more. Because we're going to be with the Lord. And we're gonna. that's when we will be perfect. But in this flesh, we're not going to be. Right now, we are definitely corruptible, brother. But praise mm-hmm. God, one day, incorruptible when that trumpet sounds and Jesus takes us home. Hallelujah. So that's what we're right. 
we need to be working towards that, reaching out to people and loving them like Jesus. You know, people can offend us. Sometimes, sometimes we may not want to hear what people have to say about us. We may be good to give people advice, but when people want to give it to us, we don't receive it. Or mm-hmm. if we're doing something wrong and someone tells us about it, we may take offense to it. Or we may get jealous because of something that's going on in our brother and sister's life. And it's kind of like, well, why not mine? Because right. God's plan is different for each and every one of us. And each and every one of us has time and season. And when we learn to operate in the spirit and follow God's plan, that's when we're going to come from the path of destruction like you're talking from. Because mm-hmm. you would you would get on the right path, and then something or someone, like your one boss telling you, well, you know, you're so messed yeah. up, you couldn't even do yourself. Right there, because that was one of your initial thoughts in the hospital. That was the enemy taking words that he knew oh, would yeah. hurt to open up a wound to get you to fall off and to use again. And that's oh, what I fell right off. <laughs> And that's the thing. So many people want to condemn people for that. But with everything that you endured with, like, the mental abuse from your dad, um, that's something within itself. Physical abuse is not the only type of abuse. And I've even told people in my own life, I would rather someone hit me than mentally abuse me. Because you stick with you more and you remember Mm -hmm. the pain from abuse physically does go away. But, like, words people speak, you can be so hurtful. And that's really, truly why in the Bible God can speak life, not death, because words have power. And yeah. that that was the enemy empowered him to use that against you, to get you on that path of destruction. But, again, God kept talking to you, and you were feeling his love, and you were knowing. And God put you in, in jail for a reason, too, because sometimes when we get off the destruction, God will put us in places that we don't want to be to get our attention. You know, think about well, Elliot. I, I wouldn't say God put me in jail. I think God took his hand off me, of me long enough for me to put myself in there. But it was a good idea because it got me to actually slow down long enough to do what I had to do. I wouldn't have done it if I hadn't gone to jail. I wouldn't have slowed down long enough to get out of my own way. Yeah, we don't. Sometimes we go to places we don't want to go, but God mm-hmm. has to place and I'm sure when you was in there, you know, you did draw closer to him. You learned more of him. And when you came back, you were probably stronger and a better man for the time that you had in the Word. Because for me, the Word comes to life. And oh, yeah. every situation, and it's a bad situation, it amazes me how Scripture will just pop up. Like, in, on my days mm-hmm. when I'm going through hard things, and I'm feeling weak, I'll just, I seek out God perfectly your strength in me because I'm weak right now or I can do all things through Christ who does strengthen me greater is he that's in me that's in this world but right. we all fall for the glory of God sticks with me a lot because we're all going to mess up there's not one of us listening tonight or one that's going to listen on demand that does not mess up somewhere we're not perfect we're human and exactly. we strive to be we can strive to be Christ like and I'm not saying that we're going to mess up every day. But there are going to be times that we fall. And that's when we got to understand we have a choice. Do we get back up or do we just keep falling? Because that's what's important, getting back up, shaking the dust off, and continuing moving on. And that's mm-hmm. what you've done along your journey. There's been times that you have fallen. You've made mistakes, but God kept calling. 
and he would stretch in his hand, he would pull you back up, and then you would yeah. fall again. And there he was, giving love and mercy. And I think of that every day I wake up. God, look at things I may have done wrong yesterday, but here I am, you're giving me a new day and a new chance. And one of the things that is really important for all of us to understand, and you said something that really is so important earlier, that is you've got to learn to forgive yourself. Because if you can't forgive yourself, God says if we can't forgive, he doesn't forgive. But when you get to a point you can't forgive yourself, that brings destruction within itself. That keeps us down. We can't move forward. And the enemy will tell us we've done so much wrong, we're not worth nothing, that there's no hope. And that's one of the tools he uses in a great way against so many. But as you've been hearing my brother Corey's testimony tonight, that through the love of God and sending his son Jesus to die for us, he loves us and he never leaves us or forsakes us. It doesn't matter what we're doing. Every day he knows we sin. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Because without that, without that sacrifice, the only blood that was ever needed again, where would we be, brothers and sisters? We, where would we be without God's love, mercy, and grace? And that's, that's who God is to me. He's my Savior. He's my friend. He's my comforter. That he loved me so much that he sent his only son to die for me. And so many of us wonder, well, does God know what I'm feeling? Does he understand my loss or my pain? Yes, he does, because he sent his son to die for us. Jesus himself was perfect and blameless. He was tempted by the devil. He was rejected by people, even people he loved and trusted within his disciples. There were people that was worshiping him and honoring him. And the next week at the cross was hollering away with him and mocking him. And what did Jesus do? He looked out upon the crowd and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's where we got to be at. We got to love people enough to forgive them, not condemn them. We got to love mm-hmm. them enough, not keep them pushed down, but give them a hand to pull them up. And that's what your journey, like, I want, like, I feel such a witness in my spirit. I truly feel your love and heart for Jesus and for other people. Oh, absolutely. And I see God's strength on your life. And without that strength, where would any of us be? And right now in this world, the world is, when you were talking earlier, too, you were talking about um, how you, what God was talking to you about, how the things were going to change, and life wasn't going to be the same. Brother, we're living in that right now. That was prophetic yeah. word, revelation coming to life. I mean, 2020, mm-hmm. and this world is at a place like we've never seen or known with this pandemic, with all the, the violence, the hate. Even in the place that I live in, there's so much more, so much more, drugs and there's been shootings like constantly this year we never used to have that here so those are the days that we've been in and i believe as i say things get worse before they get better but it comes down to a choice if some people get to stand up and be a warrior like what you're doing where you're Mm -hmm. not caring how people perceive what you look like you're wanting people to know your heart and you're not letting things from the past hold you back but you're actually using those things as a foundation to draw people closer to Jesus. And that's a beautiful ministry. That's a powerful ministry. And I really thank you for sharing your testimony and what God's done in your life. I'm excited to see the things you're going to keep doing in your life. Uh, me too. 
Uh, well, thank you for thank you for letting me come on and and do that. Uh, one thing, uh, I'm fixing to embark on a new journey. I uh, I just paid my tuition like two days ago. I'm going to be a, a certified clinical Christian counselor as well. So I'm just wow. trying to do anything I can to to better help people and you know do a more do a a better job at it or yeah. whatever. You're equipping yourself for what God called and, you to. You're, yeah, you're preparing absolutely. yourself. And that's a choice, you know. God can tell us, hey, we might see a season of drought. And God could say, hey, go plant the seed, you know, prepare the field, plant the seed. And we got a choice. We look at it and say, why? We're in a drought. What's going to come out of it? Or we can say, I'm stepping forth, Father God. I'm trusting you because you're going to bring the rain and you'll bring the harvest. That's the mindset we have. Even though it looks impossible, or it seems it can't happen, we got to trust God who says, with just the faith of a mustard seed, he makes all things possible. Praise God for that. So I want people to keep that mindset, and I want people to continue to pray for Brother Corey as he goes forth doing the work of the Lord. And check him out on Facebook. Um, on my homepage here on Reaching Out Radio, I did share your uh, in the, the episode info. I did share your group link where they can go to that. And also cool. you could reach out to him on Facebook because I will testify and let you know. He will reply to you. He doesn't take long. He's kind in, when he replies. And that's the key right there too, brother, because I've had so many people tell me, you don't know how much I've been rejected or how people block me. Many people yeah. say they want the work of the Lord, but they don't want to give of themselves and they don't want to take the time to get to know a person or to listen just listening can make a difference in someone's life. Just having someone to say, hey, I care enough to listen. And that's a Absolutely. key to change in people's lives. So what a powerful testimony. What a powerful journey. What a powerful man of God that he's grown you into. And I will continue to pray for you. Keep us Thank updated. You. Always welcome back on. I see all your posts on Facebook because I've connected with you. Powerful, powerful ministry work that you're doing. But before we get ready to go into closing, I was just going to ask you, is there is there anything that you would say to someone if they have a loved one that maybe drawn the picture? Sometimes people do it that way, or they're, they're listening to different music. I know there are signs of suicide, and there's also signs of abuse, like drug abuse and alcohol. What would be something you would suggest if people are seeing those changes in their loved one's life because you've actually been there? What would be what you would suggest for them to do? Uh, first thing was, you know, just try to talk to them with love, not, uh, you know, and compassion. Uh, and if, if they don't try to come out, you know, just keep loving on them. Don't get mad and say, you know, tell me what it is. That's just going to, you know, be a negative Think about it. Just, just show them compassion and love, and and show them that you're really there, and that you that you truly care, and and that you're going to be with them and walk them through the journey. You know, and that's one of the things that that I do with everybody. You know, um, I don't just I don't just tell you what you need to do. You know, I try to help you walk through it. I mean, I talk to people every day that I've talked to for three years. You know, we talk daily. You know. It doesn't matter. I want to. People need to put forth the effort to actually physically do something as far as 
maybe they got to not watch their TV show and, and spend 30 minutes sitting with somebody, you know, and talking and, you know, yeah. just just get connected with them and, and show them love. You know, God will do the rest. God will bring it out. Amen. That's good yeah. advice right there, brother. That, that's, that's powerful words right there. Giving of yourself is one of the greatest things a person can give a phone call. Like you said, just taking time to say that I'm there. And you taking time tonight to share with all of our listeners is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And um, I just thank everybody tonight for being on. And most of all, I thank you, Corey, for sharing truth and not, you didn't make excuses. I mean, you shared truth and you didn't sugarcoat things. And that's what people need to see and hear in this world because so many are sugarcoating things and telling people what they want to hear, but they won't tell them the reality of things and the truth. And that's what I do here on Reaching Out Radio. People need to know the truth. Well, they, you can't, you got to remember we'll have blood on our hands if we don't share truth. But as you were saying, when we see people in sin and in situations, don't condemn them, but love them like Jesus. That's where the answer is. It all begins with love. And just if someone has someone that's believing in them or they find hope, you could be the hope that saves that person's life. You could be the difference today. You need to stop and think whenever we see people in stores or their works in Walmart. And that's not the easiest job. She deals with the public every day. And the world's a little crazy right now. It's how Mm -hmm. you react we got to stop and think if someone looks at us wrong and we give a negative reaction, we might be what pushes them over the edge because we don't know what kind of day they're having or what circumstances mm-hmm. they're in. So be a positive, be positive in people's lives. Be a light. Even if they're being dark to you, that's what I want to encourage people in tonight. And I got a song that I felt was fitting for you to go out with tonight. But before I do, will you again uh, share your name with our listeners in your group on Facebook? If anybody wants to connect with you that way, they can reach out and check out your group and connect with you on Facebook. All right. Uh, My name is Corey Burris with a K. Uh, My group is uh, Suicide Prevention and God's Helpers. Um, Also in uh, two ministries, one in Alabama and one in uh, Tennessee as Cook Ministries. You can reach me there or anybody uh, Karen Cook, the the laser sword that is uh, suicide prevention and uh, recovery related. Uh, they deal with sex trafficking, human trafficking, all of that. And the other one is uh, is Soul Savages Ministry in Tennessee. It's actually an extensive inpatient. Uh, they do rehab. It's uh, all based on God. It's all 100% free. Uh, you can message them if you want into some treatment. She will. She'll even send you a bus ticket. The next day to bust you out there. Uh, she's really got a heart. Uh, her name is Jennifer Moore. She's really got a heart to uh, help people uh, in addiction and suicide-related problems. And I actually just got back from uh, Tennessee two weeks ago. And uh, man, she's got an amazing thing going on over there helping people. But uh, but yeah, if y'all are struggling, just reach out to anybody. I mean, anybody anywhere, whoever will pick up the phone. Something you know, just you know and I want to thank you all again well you've been a blessing being on tonight God bless you brother God bless all of our listeners know that God loves you brothers and sisters and your life does have purpose because we're all created with a purpose and plan and he even knew us before we was in our mother's womb brothers and sisters so don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you you've done so much wrong 
that you'll never get it right because with God, all things are possible and his love covers our sins. And when we get it under the blood, praise God, we're forgiven and we're set free. And that's, I want to go out with this song tonight. I just, I love, I love how songs minister to people. And I always ask God to lead me to songs. And I thank you again, brother, for being on tonight, reaching out radio international. Remember everybody, you can share where people can hear Corey's testimony on demand. Just share the link. Available 24-7 all year long, brothers and sisters. There's no cost to listen. So you can also download it if you want to save it or to share with others as well. God bless you all. Keep on keeping. Don't back down when God is backing you up. And I'm going to I'm gonna go out with this song that I was led in today called Recover. God bless you, brother. Take care of yourself. God bless you, too. I also want to get connected with you about the lady you were just speaking of. Um, someone that's very dear to me right now um, is battling an addiction. She's an amazing woman of God, but the enemy's really been at her, and she needs to connect with someone like that because she's been suicidal, and uh, that's another reason this is really hitting my heart. She's my spiritual mother, and she tried to take her life last month, and she started drinking again, and she's feeling shame brother she feels like she's not worthy and that's what she told me today they had to take her back but they're not helping her at the place they're taking her to so i believe she should connect with that woman that you were just talking about so i want to get information from you from my friend i would really appreciate that absolutely god God bless everyone that's listening tonight continue to pray for myself montel Fields, and for brother Corey too as he goes forth doing the work that God called him to do. We love you all so much, but know that God loves you more. God bless you all, and have a very blessed night. I'm not afraid of who I used to be. Cause I can see who you are making me Dark gives way to light Death gives way to life I'm not afraid of who I used to be No more fear, no more shame I can never be the same Since you came, I am changed forever
You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.